0: Kia ora and welcome to Our Changing World on RNZ National with me, Alison Balance. Otago Museum has had some designers in residence for the past few weeks. Sarah Dean and Beth Ferguson are based in California and together they are the ideas factory behind Climate Kit, a collaboration commissioned by the Zero One American Arts Incubator. Their work touches on mobile phones, solar technology, climate change, and civil emergencies. And they've been working with the Dunedin community on four projects that will be on display at Otago Museum until the 16th of August. Here's Sarah and Beth talking about their work. Sarah kicks off.
1: I am an architect and designer in the San Francisco area. I work a lot on how uh, digital technology and new media practices can be translated as, uh, into urban space and help define how we work in cities as they, as they grow.
2: And what about you, Big? Um I teach ecological design and I'm also a practicing designer. I have a small studio called Soul Design Lab and we work to build solar charging stations for small electric vehicles and we work with music festivals, utilities, college campuses and kind of help create spaces for people to learn about solar energy and charge their mobile phones and electric bikes and kind of celebrate solar in public spaces. So what kind of projects have you collaborated on back in the States? We have a project called City Port that kind of merges Sarah's background working with flood mapping, real-time flood mapping with Twitter, and my work with solar charging stations. So they're actually um, ports that would be around a city, so if there was a power outage, say, for three days, they'd be places for people to gather, have a safety lighting, as well as uh, mobile electronics charging, and information where they can find water, healthcare. Uh, services and transportation so that's a project we've been developing and prototyping and here we're finding out about the night sky program that um, many community and civic groups are working on so we're interested in trying to do a prototype with the right uh, kind of yellow amber LED light that could be solar powered and exhibit this as a prototype here at the museum to get people excited about what's to come um, that's actually happening locally and just kind of help spark a project visually that's already kind of underway. So uh,
1: Beth and I are working between analog and digital tools for new ways of understanding the environment and understanding human impacted environment, natural environment uh, with new metrics and new sensor opportunities.
2: So our project is called Climate Kit, and that's kind of a merge of both Sarah and my interest as designers um, that have collaborated with scientists and, and really the spirit of climate science and citizen science as a way to come up with what tools are available to everybody is citizen science a growing thing in the States? It certainly is
0: here.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think, one, the access to data and open data platforms is really changing the ability of a citizen to jump in quickly. Even children are learning so much electronics and programming in school, and that's becoming a real catalyst for new uh, ways of being out in the world and being part of natural environments. In the San Francisco area, which is such a hub of technology, there are maker spaces and labs popping up all over the place and really lowering the bar to start experimenting with this type of work.
0: Beth mentioned your flood planning through Twitter. Tell me a bit more about
1: that as a specific Um, project. Yeah, so I've been working over the last few years with a really multidisciplinary group in Jakarta, Indonesia, so the project is called Peta Jakarta, which means uh, Map Jakarta in, in Indonesian. And uh, what it does is take Twitter. Um, Jakarta happens to be the highest Twitter user city in the world. And so we use Twitter as a platform that um, citizens are already communicating on. We listen through Twitter for people talking about flood, Banjir. And when they're talking about it and they're in Jakarta, since Twitter tells you where people are, Uh, We send them back a note that says, hey, do you see a flood? Can you tell us about it? And so they'll write back with information. And the emergency management agency in Jakarta, BPBD, uh, picked up this project as a way to verify flood information. And now it's an official tool of the Jakarta government Uh, Jakarta has one of the highest urbanization rates in the world. It's now a city of 28 million people. So for a city in flux, and really as an architect, this is where I I think tools need to go for urban uh, engagement and urban planning, that we can't see the city as a static backdrop anymore, and we can't expect... Top down tools to be the only modes of communicating and for resource and emergency. The city's in flux so much that it's very hard to even keep up with where it's flooding day to day during the monsoon. And so what this tool does, what Jakarta does, is add another tool to the toolbox for emergency management by having a crowdsourced lateral communication between people. And it was very important to us that this project was open source, which it is, and also that the citizens of the city had as much information as the government does. So it's not a bottom-up tool in that it's not only feeding the government, but it's also, it's also a, a community tool where if you're walking in the streets and you're trying to figure out how to get to work, and if it's flooded in between, you can look at it um, on your mobile
2: phone on your way and, and figure out how to avoid flooding. So Sarah's work with flooding is actually really valuable here on the South Island where there's a lot of communities that are already dealing with some heavy flooding issues and know that that is coming in the future. Well, so, Dunedin had a big flood event last year. Exactly. Climate change issues that, being, that we're seeing in Dunedin or in, on the South Island of New Zealand, we're also seeing across the world. So the Bay Area, where we're from, uh, is dealing with flooding, we're dealing with forest fires, we're dealing with heavy drought, and I know that those are issues we've also heard about here on the South Island. So a project that has kind of emerged from both Sarah and my interest is called Emergy um, that Sarah coined, which is this combination of emojis with emergency. So we've been developing kind of a civic set of emergency-related icons. So we're hoping to develop these iconic ideas of emergency, um, the Emergies, along with these community groups that have already dealt with things like floods, earthquakes, storms, um, the... Client, We know this is a strange, warm winter, this winter, so these are the kinds of concepts that are being dealt with globally, but we think image-based documentation that would be as simple as an icon, um, you know, an icon for something like earthquake, would have been really useful in Japan. The number one hashtag in Japan last year was earthquake, but in a language that's not readable for people that don't speak Japanese. So we're envisioning an icon for an earthquake that could be hashtagged and geolocated and used globally for people to start making visualizations and starting to document where we're seeing climate stress, where we're sp- seeing uh, erratic weather, and how we can start coming up with tools for urban resiliency as well as long-term planning. We're at a, a place where there's cities are redlining neighborhoods that are more vulnerable, but if we had icons that were international, we could start using some of those visualizations to think about where um, people are going to be safer and better urban planning.
1: One of the exciting possibilities and and I'll say exciting tools that's emerging globally is the use of social media, which is also geolocated and also being used on a daily basis outside of emergency uh, to be a tool for emergency response and being used, uh, whether the response community is using it or not, it's being used by the communities to figure out where the resources are. And so in, in working with NGOs in Indonesia and in California, one of the bottlenecks that they talk about and that we find is a language bottleneck where the the response community is global and works often in English. The local communities are communicating in their own language And the lag time that's needed to combine those things is usually a week or more after an emergency. Emoji are actually, as much as they're also fun and and lighthearted, are an amazing tool for communication because they reduce that communication barrier between global and local communities after disaster.
0: It does seem to me that it's a very good time to be starting those conversations because the world has pretty much accepted climate change is real, it is happening, but now people are wrestling with, well, what does that mean for me? What can I do?
1: Absolutely. I think one of the real challenges that we face right now is a challenge of scale. We're used to dealing with local issues. We want to work on city and local issues, but they're affected by things that are out of our control right now. And so how to deal with resiliency and, and empowerment locally, while also dealing with policy and cross-governmental scales is, is really challenging, and so as designers, um, part of what we are looking for are modes of action that mean something and help people on a local level when there's a lot of things that, that really are out of our control at this moment.
0: That was Sarah Dean from the California College of the Arts and we also heard Beth Ferguson from the University of California, Davis and their Climate Kit Exhibition is on at Otago Museum. Thanks for listening to this Our Changing World podcast and you can find more stories on our webpage rnz.co.nz slash Our Changing World.